Good evening. We're halfway through the meeting, almost halfway. About halfway through this lesson, we'll be halfway. Uh, I'd like to uh, be thankful for everyone that's come back tonight. We had a great turnout yesterday, and it was good. And uh, in fact, we have a pretty good turnout for a weeknight uh, tonight. And uh, it's great to see that you have an interest in studying the Bible. I want to thank Clay for that song he just led. Give me the Bible. That is really what we want to study is the Bible. And the Bible gives us the plan of salvation. And that's what we've been looking at throughout the week. And especially we want to thank all the visitors that are, are here. And uh, there's some visitors that were here yesterday and they're here tonight. And it's great to see that. And they search the scriptures daily to see whether the things that we study are so or not, and uh, that is that is really great and encouraging. Um, I don't want to spend much more time with the introduction. I want to go right back into, uh, let's go back and review just very quickly what we have studied uh, so far for those who, uh, this may be your first night here, and uh, so it would be good to, to take a few minutes. And uh, God has all authority, and so who can question God's authority? He created the whole universe and everything, and so that was basically the main point. And the evidence of God is seen in his creation, and we are without excuse if we don't see that creation. And we see the uh, man created in his image, and uh, the image of God, and uh, gave us intelligence and morality and all, all of these things. And that's something that really... Uh, you can't just get by chance. And so there's design and a planner, and that is God. And, of course, he has an eternal plan for us as well, and that's what we want to uh, uh, look at later tonight. And uh, so here's how the authority that God had, inherent authority. He didn't get his authority from anywhere. He's the creator of all things. And then the authority that he had given to uh, Jesus Christ uh, is uh, he came to earth, and uh, Matthew 28 and verse 18, all authority being given to me in heaven and on earth. And this was said after his resurrection. And he's the only one that uh, did his resurrection and showed his, uh, demonstrate his power over death. And therefore, that's why we submit to him. And, uh, and then, uh, then he delegated his authority to the apostles. And we've seen where, a couple statements where uh, the apostles were, uh, told that uh, you, you know, if you, uh, the apostles, if you hear the apostles, you hear Jesus, and then if you hear Jesus, you hear the Father. It's just as if the Father is talking uh, directly to us, and of course, it's through the Word of God. It's all written down. And of course, the apostles, they wrote the Bible. We can understand that Bible that uh, they wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, 3 through 5. Uh, and it is the power of God to save. But how can man, mere man, human beings, write the power of God and, of course, do so without making a lot of mistakes? We're all human, and we make mistakes. And the apostles would make the mistakes as well. They're human as well. But the Holy Spirit guided them, and it guarded what they wrote. And uh, they were guided into all the truth. They were to bring... They were brought to remembrance that what, uh, what they have learned with Jesus while walking with them. So he's not talking to anybody else but the apostles from John 13 through 17. Uh, and, and there is uh, where he was with them in the upper room and uh, talking with uh, them um, in uh, uh, the uh, washing of feet. Um, and uh, so it showed that he moved men and so the Holy Spirit moved and guided them, guarded them. 
uh, every which way, uh, so that the uh, word by word, the thoughts in God's mind, only the Spirit knew the thoughts in God's mind, would be able to uh, produce the spiritual thoughts with spiritual words, and therefore it's inspired, it's revelation. And then, uh, this is one that I hit the button, and I skipped over this one. This is one of the most important ones. So we're going to look at uh, this one and uh, very quickly as, uh, as we uh, go through here. So those who will be teaching the plan of salvation, don't put this, this where I have it tonight in the third lesson. Have it in the first lesson in, in the order that it's uh, presented with the slides. And um, um, actually, in, uh, begin at the end of the, the, the New Testament, Acts, uh, Revelation 22, and beginning in verse uh, 18, it says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And of course, uh, in verse 19, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of the, this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the uh, holy city which are written in this book. And so... There, we cannot add, we cannot subtract. God has his perfect plan. He guided to all the truth. How much more truth is there to reveal? None. It's very simple. And that's uh, where, where we are. Uh, so we can't add or subtract. We can't change it in any way. And uh, here's some uh, warnings then that we read. And just look in Galatians chapter 1. And uh, beginning in verse uh, 6. It says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are t- disturbing you and would distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. And as I have said before, so I say now again, if any man preach a gospel contrary to to what you received, he is to be accursed. This is a, a very uh, important scripture, and uh, they, they were so quickly, it wasn't very long before they started distorting the gospel of Christ. And, uh, and it, it, uh, it's kind of sounds like double talk a little bit, but if you understand in verse 6 when it says, for a different gospel, that is the word heteros, uh, 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 which means a different kind. You're, they're of a different kind. But then he goes and says that it's really not a totally, uh, a, not really another. That's the word allos. It's still of the same kind. It still has some of the teachings of Christ, but it's been distorted. And the gospel then is no longer the gospel that saves, the power to save mankind. It is distorts it just like poison would be to food. So food is our source for life. And then if we take, uh, take that food and it's poisoned in some way, it no longer produces life for us, it produces death. And that's the same is true with the gospel. If it's distorted, it doesn't produce eternal life. It produces death instead. And so this is a, a very important uh, passage. If we, or an angel... You know, any angel, oh, I heard an angel. An angel told me to do this. Um, the angel Moroni, for one, uh, is, is where some religions start. Um, and, and uh, or we. Now, notice what Paul does. We. Even Paul. Paul says 
that if he comes and teaches something contrary to what he has delivered by inspiration, don't listen to him. See, he, he, even he, you should not listen to. Or an angel, or anybody. Now this is a command from God. This is not an option. He's commanding us, and if we don't, then the consequences are very severe. And very few times does he repeat a verse like he does here. He did verse 8 and verse 9 is basically a repeat. He wants us to get the message, to get the idea. Stop. Don't play around with God's plan. So uh, then, and then we want to look at very quickly in uh, uh, 2 John. 2 John and beginning in verse 9. You know, I grew up in a denominational church, and I didn't know this passage was in there until somebody pointed it out to me after I became a Christian. And there was a whole bunch of passages <laughs> that, uh, that I didn't know about until they were pointed out. And this is one of them, Second John 9. It says, anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. He says, anyone. Doesn't make any difference how great they are, how good they sound, how good they look, what kind of life they live. Doesn't make any difference. If they're not teaching what the teaching of Christ, then they don't have God. And the one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. So now we've become not only uh, helping someone who is a false teacher to uh, provide for him. Of course, in those days they had uh, places, uh, they didn't have hotels, so they would invite you to your home and they would feed you and all this kind of thing. And then they would go and preach their, their doctrine, their distorted doctrine. And if you help somebody along the way with their message and doing that, uh, supporting it in any way, uh, then you also become a partaker of evil. And so it's uh, very important. Now, here's a question. What happens if somebody comes up to you and teaches you a different doctrine? What are you to do? You're not to, not to receive them, not to help them in any way. Now, we're talking about if they're in doctrine, not talking about being cordial and somebody's coming in, they're hungry, and, and you, know, you, you don't know, and all this kind of stuff. So... It, this is the, the idea. You are to then not accept him. You're, that's what the, he tells us to do. So if anyone brings a different doctrine, then we don't want to become a partaker in his evil deeds. So um, that uh, is, that's the major one that uh, you can't do. Then we looked at God's word, it's all sufficient. You know, it was a faith that was once for all delivered. It's a common salvation to everyone. Uh, every good work is sufficient to show what we're to do. Uh, all things are to godliness. Uh, God's word will judge. That was the one that didn't come out right. I hope I don't have any more of those. Uh, and uh, so God's word is all sufficient. Now, what some people accept as authority. We looked at some of these uh, last time. We won't uh, really look at any of those uh, today. Uh, lawlessness is kind of a good one. Romans 3, 8. That's one. Uh, let us do evil that good may come. <laughs> so they do the wrong thing. But, oh, there's going to be a lot of good come out of it. You know, go rob a bank and give the money to the poor. I mean, that's doing evil. But yet, there's some good coming out of that. 
no, you're not to do that. Uh, that's kind of like situational ethics and so forth. And we looked at uh, some of the other ones, uh, uh, feelings, uh, uh, all, all those kinds of things. So we're not going to go back and look at those tonight. So the power of God to save is found in the Bible. So how can we settle, when we come through the, uh, the deal on authority, how can we settle any religious disagreement that we might have? Well, we can use the Bible. We can use the Bible. It's possible going to the standard of authority in religious matters, the Bible. So let's take for an example the size of a room. Okay, we disagree about the size of a room. So you say, uh, I don't know, 50 by 40. And uh, okay, that sounds like a good guess, but I think it's, uh, you know, uh, 36 <laughs> by 55. Uh, you know, so, but nobody knows. It's a guess. Even if you're one inch away, you're still wrong of the size of the room. How do you settle the disagreement, the argument of the size of a room? You go to the standard of measurement. You get the ruler out and you mark it off and you get it exactly. You can't mark it off with your feet. You can come approximate. I use approximate a lot of times. That's all I need. I don't need to be that detailed. I'm not doing any construction anything like that. So that, that uh, is what we are to do. So uh, we, if we can do it with the size of a room, we can do it with, we understand the Word of God, we can study the Word of God, we can have people show us, well, hey, I'm wrong there. Have you ever read an article and, and you had this detail and had this, or even a, a, a new show? Then you talk with your wife or somebody, and they have a whole different thing. And then you look at, well, oh yeah, I see what you mean. So it's easy to get the wrong idea, to misinterpret things. That's a real problem that we have as humans. There's, there's the, the sender of the message, there is the receiver of the message, and then there is the message itself. You've got to have all the same definitions in order to understand what we're talking about. Use definitions to, you know, different means different things to different people. And so... Um, we don't want to do, th- do that. So uh, that is uh, where we are to do. Um, then we, we, we did uh, the second part, the, the lesson two was uh, um, uh, restoring fellowship with God and his uh, people. And we see that we're all sinners, we've all sinned, that Satan is a roaring lion, he's captured every one of us. And uh, so... Uh, we looked at the example there in Genesis, and of course, fellowship with God is possible only through Jesus Christ. Now, He is the door, and uh, we looked at He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, and we looked at there is no other name given among uh, men under heaven whereby we can be saved. And so, Jesus Christ is the only one. And uh, then we've seen that, uh, well, all spiritual blessings are in Christ. And in Christ is salvation. That's where 2 Timothy 2.10, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that uh, if you're a new creature in Christ. And so once we obey the gospel, then we're a new creature in Christ. Outside of Christ, there's nothing but darkness and, and that's bad. Uh, except uh, all the physical blessings uh, are given to people even in darkness. And so even, uh, even the enemies of God. Uh, uh, the sun shines and the rain comes uh, to them and blesses them in the physical way. Uh, so what does it mean to be in Christ? And Well, we know what it means to be outside of Christ and 
Matthew 22 and verse 13 is outer darkness. And uh, so uh, to be in Christ is to be in this body, to be in the church, to be in the family, to be in the kingdom. All of these are associated with being in Christ and one another. They're used entertainment uh, interchangeably. And uh, so that's, uh, they're all the same. Uh, the body, the church, the family, the kingdom is all the same. It's all the same people in Christ. And that's where every spiritual blessing is. And uh, so then we looked at the relationships that we have, the church uh, to the world. Uh, we called out of the world and, and placed into the, the church. They called out people of God. Uh, the body, uh, it shows the relationship we have to one another. Uh, being uh, the, the kingdom, it shows the relationship we have to authority uh, and rule. Uh, the, the king of kings, Jesus, is, is our king. Um, and then uh, uh, being in the family of God shows our relationship to God because we become the heir of all things that God has for us in Romans chapter 1 verse 18. And then uh, the importance of being in Christ uh, is that, that uh, it's important to be in the church because it is blood bought. That's what he purchased with his uh, blood. It's the church. And so you come in contact there with the blood in the church. Uh, the saved are in the body. So you, you, if you want to be saved, you've got to be in the body. If you want to have the blood applied to you, you've got to be in the church. The body and the church are the same. And we look at those terms interchangeably. Uh, the house, the family of God uh, uh, is also, uh, uh, in Galatians 4, 7, it shows that we are uh, in that relationship. And so um, we're, we're a family in God's house. He's our father. Uh, we are a kingdom. That kingdom is going to be delivered up at the end of time. So you've got to be in the kingdom. You've got to be in the house of family. All of these is what it means to be in Christ. And so how does one get into Christ? The Bible only gives us one answer, and we talked about that. And uh, so we are baptized into Christ. And so there's all these other answers, but the Bible only gives one answer. Only one. Most people don't even know what it means to be in Christ. But we just showed what it should mean to us. And uh, in Romans, uh, Romans and Galatians uh, talks about being baptized into Christ. And then once one is baptized into Christ, he's added to the church. And uh, his, his, that is his body in Christ, the kingdom, and the family of God. And uh, we see that this plan came from God from eternity, Ephesians 1, 4. And uh, that Jesus was going to die on the cross, and he did do that in 33 A.D., and, of course, the plan that God had in his mind from eternity was also the blood of Jesus Christ, that sacrifice that he would offer uh, so we can have the forgiveness of sins. And this is the, the, the church uh, today. That's what he purchased with the, his blood. And so all of this was according to the foreknowledge and the plan of God before eternity. So this is not some new made-up thing uh, in the uh, first century. This is something that's been in the plan all along. Um, now um, we um, there's a C one. Yeah, I gotta remember to look here. Yeah, this is where we want to start uh, today, and uh, this is where uh, we're talking about fellowship with God's people. We're going to get into the falling away in just a couple slides away, and God wants us to be in fellowship with other Christians. So we're in Christ. We're in all these things. So what are we to do? Well, he wants us to be in fellowship with other Christians. He doesn't want us to send us home 
to where we just go on and, and uh, well, we can just work, be at home, worship at home, be at home. I don't have to attend anywhere. I don't have to go anywhere. That's what a lot of people do today, and they are uh, part of their denomination. But we, in the body of Christ, understand that we have a duty, and this is the, uh, the passage where we get that in Hebrews chapter uh, 10 and verse uh, 25. And uh, actually, we could read verse 24. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How do we stimulate one, one another? Well, yeah, we can do it when we assemble. So he says, don't, not have forsaken our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he wants us to assemble and wants us to be together. We're going to see later on what we're going to do together. He's also given us instructions, and we see the pattern of the New Testament church of what they did and uh, the acts of worship that they participated in for the building up and the encouraging uh, and the strengthening and for the growth of uh, each individual member in the body of Christ. But we must be joined to a, a, a particular church. Notice uh, the in Acts chapter 9, uh, this is the uh, example of... Uh, of the Apostle Paul. In uh, Acts 9, remember, he was just uh, persecuting the church, and uh, then the Lord appeared to him, and then he heard word uh, from uh, 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 from Ananias, and he came and preached uh, to him, and uh, told him to get up and wash uh, and be wash away your sins, and be baptized and wash away your sins. But back in Acts chapter uh, 9, it gives us the event that after he was baptized, he had a problem attaching himself and joining the church. In uh, chapter uh, 9, in uh, verse uh, 4, and uh, yeah, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I, I am he who you are uh, persecuting. Um, then in, uh, oh yeah, verse 26, that's when uh, we read about uh, how he was not accepted in the church that he went uh, to. Uh, it says, uh, now, 26. Yeah, he says, when he came to Jerusalem... He was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he'd seen the Lord on the way. And he talked with him and how at Damascus he spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And then it goes on to show that they accepted him there because of Barnabas uh, was a, a good spokesman for him. But the point I want to make is that he tried to join or associate with that church. And that's uh, and then he tells us in other places, let's say uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, that uh, we are to follow his example. So Paul's given an example to us. What he did after he was baptized, he joined or attached himself to a local congregation. In uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. It says, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. So he, he says, follow my example. The things that you see me do, heard me do, 
whatever I did. Do you practice these things? Second uh, Thessalonians three nine is a similar passage uh, of scripture as well. Uh, now uh, God wants us to associate with work and assemble with other Christians so the church will grow. So He wants us to uh, to attach ourselves to a local group to become a member of that group. Um, and uh, Ephesians chapter four, and we'll see in verse uh, begin in verse eleven. Uh, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body the building up of itself in love. And so the body doesn't grow from the outside. It grows from the inside out. Builds itself up in love. And uh, he also uh, talks about uh, one of the things that we do. We do all, we learn the works of service. We learn uh, everything we do. We grow in the scriptures. And we even learn that we don't get carried away by every wind of doctrine that Satan has out there. Uh, so we have a good, firm foundation. Because the truth will be taught, and the truth uh, teaches, and it shows us that we, we, we know how to, we know the tricks of men, we can identify the tricks of men, and we know how to answer the trickeries of men. So we have to know something about the tricks that the Satan does in order to combat them. And uh, that's a whole there's some other thoughts to go along with that to support that, but we don't have time now. Um, so, and, and so every joint supplies. Every Christian has the responsibility to help the church to grow. And they to grow themselves. Each one of us have that responsibility. So, that's a challenging thing. That's what makes being a Christian exciting. Growing. And being excited, watching other people grow, helping other people to grow, other people helping us to grow, watching uh, examples and watching people grow and become example. Well, boy, that's pretty good, you know, and it stirs us up. And uh, we stir each other up. And that's the whole idea in God's plan. Uh, he, he's the all-wise God. He knows uh, what we need. And therefore, we submit to that. And we trust God. He's given us what we need. And if we're not getting what we need, we can't blame God. We can't blame His Word. We can't blame other people. We only have ourselves. Because we are responsible for ourselves. And if I feel like I'm not being edified, I'm not being strengthened or something like that, i got to look deep inside of me. Am I just doing it going through the motions? Or am I really taking it in and uh, leaving it in my heart and uh, practicing it as, uh, as, I, uh, as we... Uh, believe it. Um, God does not want us to be in fellowship with error. And uh, th- this is uh, uh, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 
um, 6, and beginning in verse 14, it says, Do not be bound together. Look at these words. It helps us to identify what it means to be together. What a church is. What a local church is made up of. Uh, what we're to do. Do not be bound together. But it does mean we are bound together to one another. But don't be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship? So there's the fellowship. Two or more people working together toward a common goal. And when we sinned, we broke fellowship with God. God broke fellowship with us. And therefore, uh, we weren't working together toward a common goal. God was willing to, but we weren't willing to. So we have the fellowship in light. Uh, in verse 15, what harmony has Christ with Belial? Well, we know that that's, there's no commonality with Christ and, and uh, Satan. And a believer in common. Uh, so we have things in common, but we don't have it with an unbeliever. Uh, and so what agreement? We have agreement. We have unity. We have harmony. Uh, but we don't have, we don't have it with idols. And uh, so forth. So uh, it's a, a good one. The Bible is the standard for fellowship among God's people. Let's look in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse uh, 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. So this is, uh, the Bible is our standard. And we don't have fellowship with God, but we have an obligation and duty to uh, study with anybody and, uh, and uh, expose the, the evil deeds of darkness and of false teachers. Um, and um, that's, uh, we'll just move on from that one. So God doesn't want us to fellowship in air, but he does want us to fellowship together. The Holy Spirit foretold of the departure from authority. Now, this is what we want to look at a little bit uh, now is Second uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter 3. You know what? I, I think we're just going to go to the First Timothy 4. It's shorter. I took a little longer in, in the review than I wanted to. Uh, so Second Thessalonians 3, basically it talks about these things, the falling away. Uh, he's going to be sitting in the uh, temple. He's going to be opposing everything that is called God. He's the man of sin. He's going to be revealed. And he did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. And the, but the parallel passage is found in Timothy chapter 4 and uh, beginning in verse uh, 1. So we'll read that one. Uh, and you, but yet I want you to read that other one as well uh, sometime. Um, the Acts 20 and 17 verse 28 through that, it tells us that um, Paul was warning the Ephesian elders in uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 through 30 that, uh, that there will be even their own, uh, uh, from their own uh, leadership, their own elders, from among yourselves, 
there will be those who will be trying to draw away the disciples. So it's, it's talked about before it happens. So be on guard and be ready when it happens. And it's going to come from the eldership. And uh, we're going to see that really one of the first big problems that the church had in divisions inside the church was the eldership later on. So this falling away is going to be uh, through men speaking lies. Let's read that, First Timothy 4. Um, but the Spirit is supposed to say that at a later time some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. By means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own consciences with the branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. We know the truth. Well, one thing we know is that uh, somebody went out and, and forbid marriage and, and uh, certain foods or meats on certain days. And that's what happened. We know that's wrong. And that's going to be part of the uh, identification of the falling away, those who fell away. And so, uh, do you know anybody that's done that, forbidding marriage and abstaining from meats on certain days? Well, let's read a little bit. Uh, the Catholics, uh, now, now see, the man of sin will be falling away. It's going to go early. We're going to see that here they're going to elevate themselves. And uh, really, uh, I've talked to several Catholics, and they didn't know that they were being prophesied about as a falling away, that there was actually a church before the Catholic Church. <laughs> and the Church of Christ started in 33 AD. So here we are, and the reason why we're talking about this is because of that, those two things that they're going to be known by, that we are to study, that we are to proclaim, that we can't just ignore it we can't just leave it off uh, the gospel we have to claim the whole gospel of christ and, and and of course christ he did compare uh other people's teaching with what he taught and so we're just doing what christ did uh in in doing that he did that with the pharisees and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later uh, but on certain days you may not eat meat and get this, every Catholic over seven years of age, you have to eat certain foods on certain days. And of course, they didn't eat meats, and they had fish on Fridays, and I don't know if that's, I guess that's still being done. And what kind of sin is it not to abstain? A mortal sin. Well, that did, that's, what did it say that was? A doctrine of demons. That's not the doctrine of Christ. That didn't come from uh, uh, somebody, but it did come from a leadership, it did come from within, and then that's what was uh, uh, what happened. So the church can fall away, and this is what what happened. Uh, departure from authority, the rebellion against authority of Scripture came because men would not put up with sound doctrine, and that's uh, talked about in Second Timothy four three and four. By fifty two A.D., only ninety two years after Jesus, the mystery of lawlessness was already at work. And that's uh, what is said in uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. And so the mystery of lawlessness, it was already at work. There was one that was restraining them now. And uh, of course that could be the apostles. They're still alive. But after all the apostles die <laughs> and, the, and all the word has been in, uh, the miracles are going to be done away with. 
it's going to be very easy and lots of false doctrine started coming in uh, to to the church and uh, a lot of it uh, uh, from the Catholic Church. Jesus said upon this rock, uh, he said, thou art Peter, that's a stone, that's Petros, this is Petra, upon this rock, that's a massive rock, uh, Jesus is and say, I shall build my church upon this rock, He's talking about himself, and uh, this massive rock, and uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, uh, and that's Matthew 16, 18. So the true church was established in 33 A.D., it's authentic, it's original, it's valid, it's faithful, it's steadfast, it's staunch, it's trustworthy. And guess what? In 52 AD, that church is still existing. And it will still exist. And, you know, it still exists because the gates of hell and Hades will not prevail against it. So it's gone all the way through since 33 AD, and that church still exists today. Now, there might be some places where you don't read about where they were, but there's little tidbits here and there. Here's this group over here taking the Lord's Supper. And you know, there's all kinds of things, singing, um, little by, by, by little. But people were not following. Well, let's write about the people of the Church of Christ. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of other things. They didn't write about Roman uh, people either. Some people they didn't like. Maybe they didn't like uh, what was said. So... It, it, I believe what God, Jesus said, he made a promise, he's never failed the promise, never have every promise that was in the future, he's going to keep. So what happened? Well, um, this is what happened in 251, they fell the perversion of sprinkling, the baptism, the clinical baptism. And uh, we'll see what happened here. Uh, Paul alludes to the manner in which baptism was ordinarily conferred in the primitive church by immersion. That's what we believe. Baptism is immersion. It's a burial. The descent, the, the, the descent into the water is suggestive of the descent of the body in the grave and the ascent suggestive of the resurrection and new life. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That sounds pretty good right there. Now, St. Paul obviously sees more than a mere symbol in the rite of baptism. Of course he did. You know, we baptize in water. Uh, but as a result, now they want to put a spiritual application to this baptism. So as a result, it, we incorporated it into Christ's mystical body uh, and, and, and a life, a new life. You ever seen anything mystical in the Bible? <laughs> uh, no. And so here it is. We looked at Romans 6. We'll be looking at that again later on. But uh, it is definitely a burial, and we're burial into his death, and resurrection, and resurrection of life. Uh, and uh, that's the, the body of son, sin is done away with, and so forth. Now here, here again, as I believe that the Pope and the Bishop of Rome is the victor of Christ, uh, Christ on earth, that he is the supreme visible head of the whole church, and that he teaches infallibly. He is as higher than uh, anyone. And, uh, of course, I guess Jesus is no longer the head as far as he is. He's the head. And uh, what we must do to be saved. Okay? And so the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. So who is it? Is it Jesus Christ or is it the Pope? And uh, so we have to take Christ. So here the, the true, the Reformation, Reformation resulted in over 2,500 churches today. And uh, we'll look at some of them. In 606 A.D., that's when First Pope Boniface III, we just read where they think they're the victor of Christ uh, and uh, all of, uh, so forth. 
Uh, but um, 1530 is when Martin Luther came along. He was a, a Catholic that studied for seven years. And he was a monk and he saw 95 things that the Catholic were wrong. He didn't want to change the church. He didn't want to start a new church. He just wanted, I mean, he wanted to reform and change it that way. But he didn't want to just start a new church. But they picked, They said no, they wouldn't accept him. So he nailed the 95 Thesis of Martin Luther upon the door of the church. And uh, so that's interesting to read. There's 95 things that here is uh, the one thing that uh, we, really we talk about and really stands out. And that's where a church started. And uh, he told them, don't call yourselves after my name. Uh, when, he di- when, when he died, well, then they went ahead and took on the name Luther. Uh, in 1534, King Henry VIII, that's the Episcopalian church. Uh, the other is the Lutheran church, of course. And uh, King Henry VIII, uh, what did he do? Well, he, he, uh, he wanted to divorce his wife and marry just other younger girl, I guess. And uh, uh, he went to the Catholic to get permission. They wouldn't give it to him. So he started his own church, made everybody an automatic member, and he divorced his wife and, you know, committed adultery, and that was it. So that church started on adultery. It's uh, the Church of England is what it was there. But in this country, it's the Episcopal Church. Uh, Knox, Zwingli, John Calvin all had uh, influence and started the uh, Presbyterian Church. Smith in 1611... Uh, John Smith, he started the, the Baptist Church. It might be a little couple years difference on some of the years. I get different readings. And then there were a couple other churches uh, before 1729. John Wesley, 1729. He was a Methodist, and uh, uh, he started that church. And so, as a result, we have 2,500. And uh, when I first started this, uh, and uh, there was 400. And then it went to uh, 1,000. Then it went to 1,500. Then it went to 2,000, and uh, so I upped it to 2,500, and I think it's probably low. I think it's more than 3,000. So uh, anyway, there's a lot of, lot of churches. You get the idea. But how many churches were purchased? How many churches did Jesus stay head of? How many bodies did he have? What did he purchase? Purchased just one. And that was the one that he gave all the instructions that we cannot add, we can't subtract, we can't change it in any way. What happens if we do? Well, we're uh, to be cursed, accursed. And uh, so, uh, here's a Methodist. Uh, here's what they say. The only reason why I'm bringing these up is because these are some of the first churches. There's a whole lot of other ones. I'm not picking on any one group. I'm just looking at what, uh, what they said. Um, in, in such a process of adjustment, the discipline became a record of successive stages of spiritual insight attained by Methodist. Oh, they had a little more spiritual insight than the rest. Under the grace of Christ, of course, we have therefore expected that the discipline would be administered not merely as a legal document, but as a revelation of the Holy Spirit working in and through our people. That doesn't sound like the apostles. They were holding to the apostles' doctrine there. And so they... um, were loved uh, lovers uh, didn't love the truth um, so uh, we already looked at Galatians 1 chapter 6 changing the gospel in any way you're cursed so uh, now here's a, a standard of people that 
We, we dare not as people violate. We, we know this. This is just common sense. Medical procedures, weights and measurements and laws of traffic and safety and building codes, etc. Stop confusion. Can you imagine that if there are no stop signs out there? I mean, well, we had that, so, you know, we don't know, you know, we get in a lot of trouble. And, and every time a red light flashes this way and that way, there's a lot of confusion. What, what do they have over here? We have one here. Okay, now, there's three of us that pulled up at the same time. Who goes next? I mean, it gets confusing. And so that's why we have all these laws, measurements, and traffic lights, and so forth. And they have stop signs. There must have been somebody that... that uh, uh, Got in the wreck there before. That's what happened. One time I got an accident. We just moved to a house, and I was trying to get across this busy highway, and I and there was a truck there, and there was happened to be a car right behind. I couldn't see it. I pulled out. I hit it, and you know what? There was no light there. But one, two weeks later, there was a light there. Now why wasn't that thing there when I was going there the first time? So it took me uh, in that accident to get that done. Maybe there was enough accidents to happen. So. Uh, but anyway, but it creates confusion. And, and so does different doctrines. It's confusing. But unity is the Bible creates unity. And there's, there's no confusion. Using the Bible as a standard, the local church was one mind, one faith. Um, it's a codification of procedures, morals, and it's a law for unity. Now let's look at... Uh, uh, as a Bible believer, which do you believe? Now, this is found in uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 4. And uh, beginning in, we'll just look at verse 4 for now. There is one body, one spirit, just as also there is one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. And that's... Uh, where we have one God, the unity of worship, and that's a good place to leave off. Uh, we're out of time. So uh, I didn't get, I had one or two more slides to go, but I don't want to go over time. So anyway, this is what we're going to pick up on tomorrow night, and we're going to see the unity that God uh, demands, and uh, all, all about that tomorrow and uh, continue on from there. Okay, so if, in uh, one thing we have is baptism. Uh, there's one baptism. And the only baptism that we find in the Bible that's commanded for everybody, uh, uh, of, that's of age or older, or the person, uh, is, is uh, uh, being baptized in water. It's the only, uh, only one. Now, it's not the Holy Spirit baptism because that's not commanded to everybody. It was only commanded to certain ones. So that's weird. So if you need to respond to the gospel invitation anyway, whether making your life right by God, uh, perhaps you've heard and thought about uh, what we've studied so far of being baptized, uh, uh, and then you, you feel like uh, you're, that's the thing to do, that's, you're ready to do that. Or if, uh, if not, that we'll study some more about that, and that's great as well. But I, we always offer the invitation for anybody who desires to make their life right, either by baptism or by, um, by requesting prayers or confessing sin, uh, anything of that nature, we are here to help.
So let us uh, stand as we sing the song that has been selected.